Welcome to Hope Renewed, helping you find new hope when ministry leaves you hopeless. The Hope Renewed podcast is brought to you by BIR Ministries. Here are your hosts, Tom Jameson and Sean Nemechek. Today on Hope Renewed, we have a special podcast. Roy Yankee, Executive Director of PIR Ministries, joined the Conversations podcast provided by the Center for Thriving Leaders. We hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome to Conversations, a podcast provided by the Center for Thriving Leaders and sponsored by Grace Theological Seminary. I'm Dr. Trent Lambert, and we are here to help leaders thrive in ministry. Let's jump into the conversation for today. Well, I want to welcome everybody today who's listening. Um, We are located here on the campus of Grace College and Seminary, and this podcast event is sponsored by the Center for Thriving Leaders. I'm Dr. Trent Lambert. Pleasure to be with everybody today. We also have a live audience here in Classroom 126, so we're so glad that many of our staff and faculty could join us here today for this event. We are blessed today to have with us Roy Yankee, from PIR Ministries from Michigan. And we were just recently talking about our um, college football proclivities. And so um, we've got a Michigan fan and Ohio State fan actually sitting here at the same table. So there is a God, Roy. Absolutely. Um, Roy has pastored for 17 years in an evangelical denomination. And as a result of a major crash and burn, Roy experienced both the discipline and the grace of God through years of slow but steady growth, restoration, and renewed hope. Prior to joining PR Ministries in 2012, Roy spent 16 years working in a variety of manufacturing environments, including most recently as quality manager for a growing company. Roy was appointed the executive director of PIR Ministries in 2016, and today we are so glad to have with us Roy Yankee. Roy, please fill in the blanks of anything about yourself, and then we want to dig into our content for the day. Sure. Thanks, Trent. Thanks for the invitation to be here, and um, just really glad to share this time with you. Uh, fill in the blanks. Uh, I'm married. <clears throat> uh, my wife and I this year celebrated 48 years of marriage. Um, we have one daughter and son-in-law and two grandkids, Annika and Lachlan, and we have the, the pleasure of them being only a mile away from us, so we spend a lot of time with them. Um, and uh, yeah, I pastored for 17 years, um, four different churches uh, in associate pastor work and then lead pastor work. The last situation was a redevelopment work, which was really cool. Um, I did that. I don't know if this is in the Guinness Book of World Records or not, but I did all four churches from the same house. Wow. So uh, that's fairly unusual. Um, but uh, we live in Berkeley, Michigan, and have for all, most of my life I've lived there. So, yeah. Well, Roy, as you and I have talked a little bit prior to this beginning, um, I've had years of pastoral experience as well. We've kind of shared some of our stories a little bit. <laughs> I shared with you a little bit of my story of getting back to health and um, pastoral quality of life as we were talking. And you mentioned that what you do with pastors is you establish core values. So um, if you would, um, what are some of the major challenges that pastors and spouses are facing in today's ministry world, Roy? Mm -hmm. 
So the tried and true challenges that have always been there in ministry still exist. Um, the challenges of uh, the potential isolation, uh, that they feel like they can't build relationships within the, the church. They have to, if they can build them, they have to be outside of, of the congregation. Um, certainly the idea that um, the, the economic conditions that uh, pastors are facing today, um, certainly COVID has impacted that greatly. A lot of churches are struggling these days. And so financial concerns, economic concerns are huge for pastors. They're having to rethink a lot of that for their families. Um, when it comes to ministry life, um, a lot of the cultural shifts that have been going on over the last several years greatly impact them. Sometimes they aren't sure if they say something, whether it's going to be received well or not. Typically, it's never received equally well by whoever's in the congregation. So those are, those are the big challenges right now, and it, it creates a lot of stress. Um, some pastors are experiencing and their families are experiencing uh, forced exits as a result of that. And um, that's, that's a huge pressure on those families. Kind of segueing along the same lines there, Roy, um, I have the ability in my position here at Grace to do a variety of things. But one thing is, is to work with pastors, to help pastors. Um, so I hear a lot of different stories. Um, I was sharing with you that we also here at the Center for Thriving Leaders are able to counsel pastors that are having some issues and also as well help with organizational restructuring. Um, so one of the things that, you know, as you just mentioned, that I'm working with some churches, um, what does today, in your experience, church life and pastor life look like post-COVID? Mm -hmm. And are you seeing any lingering effects on the pastor and his ministry and the church as a result of COVID? Absolutely. Um, that is a game changer and has been a game changer for the church and for pastoral ministry. Um, so many of the pastors that we coach and work with now are facing uh, the issue of how do we get back to where we were before? Um, I remember reading and, and uh, talking with some pastors about the fact that this has been the great disruption. Mm. Um, and if it's not, uh, there's a new trajectory that has to, to come out of, of COVID. And many churches are uh, struggling with that. And so pastors are trying to lead in a new way, in a new environment, but people are resistant sometimes to that because they want things the way they used to be. Uh, working with some pastors who are really struggling with their leaders. Why, why isn't our youth group uh, like it used to be? Uh, why aren't we having more people in church? Um, they come to church, and if they're doing online, uh, there's the sense of, you know, half of our, our people are not here. And making that connection mentally to those who are worshiping online is a difficult thing. So uh, post-COVID, so many new challenges for pastors. Um, again, back to the economic piece. Many churches are having to rethink how they staff. And so pastors are being asked to either take a reduced salary or, and being forced to become bivocational. Or if they're a new pastor, they're entering into church situations where they are, are expected to be bivocational. And that's a whole nother level of challenge for them. You and I were talking um, prior to the podcast beginning on some of the pieces of COVID in light of technology. Um, 
prior to COVID, and I got to put myself in the same category probably 15 years ago, as a senior pastor, I was a little bit reluctant to do any type of online church, live streaming type of event, because let's just be honest, as pastors, we want people in the pews, right? Um, not only that, we want to make sure tithe dollars are collected and everything runs properly as you know we think it should. Um, so having the online delivery was always something that was just a little bit uh, not sure what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but COVID, I think, has changed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Could you address pastors and what their thinking process with technology is right now? Some really love it and some really hate it. Um, yeah. to be honest, um, the, the physical presence piece is huge. And that isn't just whether, uh, as a pastor, you'd love to see people sitting in the pews, but those of us who have been in ministry, there's a, a biblical philosophy of, of church life, you know, ecclesiology where the, the presence, the incarnational presence, uh, of people and the word being preached in that way is, is kind of critical. Um, but technology can serve. Um, it, if it's a servant, uh, pastors, are if they see it that way, it can really become effective in certain ways. Uh, certainly, it can become a welcome mat for those who would never step inside of a church. Um, as I was sharing with you before, there's a church in our community that's really exploring this. They've launched an online community, and it's specifically for those people who would have doubts, are skeptical of the church, big questions, and probably would not step through the doors of that church. So it becomes an opportunity for them to engage and explore. Interesting. Um, I, I'm seeing some pastors who before would never do anything with it, thinking maybe I should look at this for another avenue or opportunity for church delivery. So it'd be interesting to watch in the upcoming months and years for sure as I'm dialoguing with a lot of pastors, what do we do with online? And after COVID, do we shut it off? Mm. You know, in fact, do, do we shut it off to try to bring people back to our churches or do we keep doing it as an avenue of ministry? So Roy, I think for me, it's going to be an interesting piece to watch mm. as part of my um, position here at Grace is dealing with online technology delivery. So I'm interested. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, we'll do. Um, in your area of expertise, what are some of the things church planters today um, and new pastors should be aware of? We've got a lot of things going on in our culture, a lot of things at work. What would you advise new pastors taking a position or a church planter thinking about starting a church? Sure. Uh, for new pastors in particular, one of the things that we're very concerned about is that they, they develop a pace of ministry from the very uh, beginning of that new experience. Um, We suggest that five years is a good uh, paradigm to work from, Uh, not starting anything really radical or new in that time frame, building relationships, building trust, getting to know the culture of the church, and being able to celebrate what happened before. Because new pastors stepping in sometimes think that they're have all of the ideas and they're going to change everything and make all kinds of new things happen. And they don't realize that God actually was there before and doing some things. And so to acknowledge that is really important. Um, And certainly entering into new pastorship, the, the rhythms of ministry life 
need to be established from the beginning? Uh, what kind of pace are you going to have personally in your ministry life? What kind of rhythms are you going to engage with for your own soul's benefit? Those are critical things for a new pastor to, to get into right from the beginning so that it's not a matter of, I'm doing all this work, we're starting these new things, and all of a sudden I'm finding myself in an unhealthy place. So certainly starting out with a, a sense of what you want to do to make sure you stay healthy is a good thing. Yeah, and then anything that we can do to help pastors stay in this thing for the long haul, mm-hmm. it's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly right. Um, Roy, for pastors today, you know, there's all kinds of reasons we can say throughout the last couple of decades. Um, what are some of the leading factors today that cause pastoral burnout mm. that you deal with? Mm-hmm. So we know that burnout is a symptom uh, that, and many people associate burnout with just uh, too much work. Uh, really, it's how we work and from where we work mm. that is are the issues that relate to burnout. Uh, if we are um, if we center our identity in our work and not in Christ, that's a key indication that we are going to be heading down the wrong way. If it's all about how much we can produce, getting things done, making things happen, and not recognizing that Jesus actually still is Lord of the church and we just are his agents in that, um, that can set us up for feeling like we're going to uh, make all this stuff happen and when it doesn't, uh, then the dissonance between the expectations yeah. and reality sets in, which contributes to burnout. Um, certainly, uh, anxiety uh, about that. And the, inter- the internal expectations really are a big piece of burnout. There are external expectations that church leaders and church uh, family members impose on pastors. But the internal piece is really the, the big piece for burnout. How are we coming at our ministry like? Um, I like to, to share with pastors that there really are three callings that they have. And the very first calling is to be a human being. Mm. And we often forget that, uh, to have and lean into the limits uh, that God has placed on us as creatures uh, and all of that, which goes to things like, I think we were talking earlier about hobbies, mm-hmm. uh, just being able to be a person, a human being who is not tied to ministry as this is all I am. This is all. Amen. Um, so certainly that's, that's true. Uh, I think too, the second calling is to be a disciple. Uh, the call before the vocational piece is come follow me. And many pastors forget that or flip it. Somehow they're going to try to force their relationship with Jesus on a personal level into the margins of the ministry work that they do. So true. And so uh, making sure that they are rooted in Christ, that the gospel is having its effect and work in their life and in their soul, because you can only give away what you have. And then the third piece is the vocational piece, the calling that God has put on us for that unique place that he wants us to be. So that's important. Uh, to keep in mind. It's a paradigm to use that can help in dealing with burnout sometimes. And then there are all other kinds of things. I will mention this as a little promo. One of our staff members, Sean Nemechek, has just published a book. It will come out in March called The Weary Leader's Guide to Burnout. It's an excellent treatise on burnout, not just how to recover from it, but also the causes. 
and how he really dives deep into all of those nuanced places that can happen in our emotional life and our spiritual life that can contribute to burnout. Thank you. Um, Roy, I want to talk about something that I, I think segues right along with burnout. And it's probably a word that we don't want to talk about in ministry. We don't want to talk about in connection with pastors. Um, I think it's becoming easier in conversation. Um, 15, 20 years ago, it's not something that we want to bring up because, Roy, as, as pastors, we're expected to have the Superman cape on, mm-hmm. to have everything put together, everything in family's perfect. Um, we can't let anyone see that S on our chest not there. But there's going to be people listening to us today, Roy, that are pastors, ministry leaders, and they're dealing with depression. Um, what are you seeing with pastors and depression and how can pastors that are dealing with that get some help? It's become a big deal. And like you said, um, certainly 15, 20 years ago, it was not a topic that you'd even want to touch. Um, it w- it was not talked about. And so we, we see an increase in pastors who are dealing with that. Um, the number of suicides among mm-hmm. pastoral leaders. Um, certainly has increased, um, and it may be that more of it has come to light. We just didn't know about it before. But uh, it's a serious issue, and um, the, the causes for it are numerous, um, every, culturally and, and how pastors, their own personal upbringing, and all of the, fa- the factors that lead into that. So it's a, it's a serious issue. So there are resources and there are places for pastors to go, safe places where they can talk about it and get help. Uh, certainly, we have resources through PIR ministry. We can reference out uh, to places like Full Strength Network and some of the other uh, counseling agencies that we're connected with so that if someone is struggling with that, um, they can find the help that they need. And the stigma of that is decreasing. Um, people are talking about it. As a staff, a couple of years ago, we, we brought in a couple of counselors to help us understand more about mental health and depression, because we wanted to understand how best to triage that uh, in the pastors that we're dealing with. So the safe places are there. Um, I guess if they're listening and they're struggling with this, please have courage. Take the risk of stepping out and reaching out to people who can help. They can get in touch with us. They can get in touch with their local counselor. They can get in touch with you to help them uh, find that resource. Um, you don't have to remain in this place alone. And that's really important because being alone in depression is a bad thing. Amen. And I encourage pastors that are dealing with it. It's not a shameful thing. Absolutely. I think you said it best that one of our callings is a calling to be human. Mm-hmm. And so even though you're pastors, these are still some things, depending on a lot of different proclivities that you might be dealing with. Um, I know pastoring, um, I required myself and my staff, just as they would get a physical every year, um, to get a mental checkup. Mm. So, Roy, we would proverbially lay on the couch and just talk Mm -hmm. and be with a licensed therapist and just unpack. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, we proverbially swallow so much stuff throughout the year and contain so much stuff dealing and helping people. Sometimes it just hangs on. 
It does, and and that's that's brilliant what you did there. Uh, and more churches should do that. Uh, more church boards should build that into their their calling of a pastor and say, look, we understand that there are stresses and strains that we have no clue about, uh, but you deal with all the time. So if you are in need of this, we want to make it available, but actually we want you to be proactive about it and sit down with someone on a regular basis. Amen. It's so critical. Roy, just transitioning just a little bit, because I know PIR Ministries um, does several things. Um, Also, something that I'm seeing, and and I'm sure you are as well, is we're seeing pastors in transition Hmm. for several reasons right now. So what are the, some key insights and recommendations to pastors that are contemplating transition or retirement right now? Okay. So the, our ministry was built around the idea of pastoral transitions, uh, mostly from the forced side of things. So if someone is considering a transition and they are initiating it, that's a different kind of, of a transition. But it can result from the, some of the same reasons that our uh, pastors experience forced transitions from. So if they're considering it uh, and they are initiating it, my first question to them would be, why? Uh, you need to answer that question. Why am I thinking about moving? Uh, is it simply because uh, I, I don't like this place anymore? Um, is it because uh, I feel like I'm not being as productive as I should be? Uh, is it, I've, I've done what I can, I've come to the limit of what I can do in leading this church. There are a number of reasons, but being clear about why you're making that transition is important Mm. because if, unfortunately, um, in 12 step, uh, work, uh, there's a lot of discussion about geography and the idea that sometimes when we're, uh, in situations that are difficult for us, if we just change our geography, everything will be better. Unfortunately, like Yogi Berry said, wherever I go, there I am, you know. So uh, we need to understand and be clear about why we're making those transitions. So that's, that's really critical. Um, if they're looking at retirement, um, succession planning, uh, doing that really well and having a good plan and having people to come in, in from the outside even that can coach you through that succession work is really important. Some of those go really badly. Uh, if we're not careful. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're considering retirement and you're in a church and you are, um, it's maybe it's a multi-staff church and there's a succession idea that's floating out there, doing that really well, having someone coach you through that and plan for it well is important. Um, If you're stepping into retirement, um, leave well, you know, Leave uh, celebrating, leave acknowledging the goodness of God and what he's done through your ministry. And, um, you know, some, some pastors retire and they completely get out of ministry life altogether. Uh, I would hate to see uh, the, the loss of all of the experience and the wisdom that comes from pastoral ministry from someone not being available to the younger generation, if they're willing to listen. Amen. In my ministries, um, did have some transition, Roy, um, planted three churches, and probably for each one of them, there was a part of me, just because of my proclivity of um, my nature, is I got bored. Mm-hmm. So I built the first one, and I found myself, Roy, I was bored. Mm-hmm. I needed the next new thing. Mm-hmm. So raised up 
someone who was a Bible college student internally, trained them for a year, gave them the church. So I did that two different times. And so building someone up, equipping them, training them, and I think you said it well, is leaving well, leaving your church in good hands and making a a well-rounded exit, I think is key mm-hmm. for the life of the church and also for your next step as well. Mm-hmm. Roy, I want to talk to you about PIR ministry. Um, how did it form? And tell us a little bit more about your involvement in it. Sure. So as I mentioned before, uh, the ministry was started 25 years ago. Officially, uh, Dr. Wickman uh, developed uh, what was, has become the Pastor in Residence Program. And that was around forced pastoral exits. So forced exits are those where uh, conflict is typically the the reason behind uh, a pastor exiting out of their ministry. Um, Sometimes pastors self-exit, burnout, Mm -hmm. moral compromise, those things happen. But those kinds of exits are why PIR ministry was created. We believe, Chuck believed, and we also believe that a good pastor is a terrible thing to waste. And so if there's a path of renewal, uh, we want to be helping pastors achieve that and return to ministry in a healthy place. So uh, the Pastor in Residence program for those kinds of exits is the, the, the program uh, that we um, engage with. Uh, refuge churches are the context where that occurs. Uh, it's a church who has the DNA of grace and restoration already built into it, and they're willing to a journey with a pastoral family for about six to eight months and walk with them and help them achieve that healthy place again for ministry life. We have a program that they're, they walk through during that time that we train the church in. We believe very strongly that the local church is the place for this to happen for several reasons. Um, it's part of that incarnational piece, the hands and mm-hmm. feet of Jesus helping people to heal. The other piece that we believe is that the church is often the wounding party. We want them to be the healing party as well in the life of a, a pastoral family. So that's the core of who we are and why we, why we began. And we've been doing that for 25 years, cross denominations, helping pastors and their families find their way back into ministry with a, a healthy perspective. So did I hear you correctly? Not only you'll help the pastors, do, do you have opportunities then to help the church as well, whether it's organizationally or, or talk to the church leadership of how this interaction with the pastor and leadership can function better? Do you have those opportunities? Very rarely. Uh, Sometimes we do. Um, We've engaged in a few pastoral renewal plans that uh, a church says, hey, we want to invest in our pastor. There's some areas of growth that need to happen. Everybody recognizes that, so we're going to engage with that. Um, Sometimes that involves us in conversations with the local church about their leadership. One of the things, too, that we try to do educationally for the local church and their leaders is we have uh, some workshops that we conduct. Uh, The primary one along those lines is one we call creating or cultivating, actually, a culture of ministry health. Mm. And it's a three-part workshop where we have a plenary session, and then we break them up between pastors and lay leaders. And we have conversations around what that culture needs to look like and how we're going to get there. So that's one way that we try to engage. Roy, I know there's some listening right now, and you just said the words ministry health. Mm-hmm. And some of our listeners are probably, what is that? Mm-hmm. I've never experienced that in ministry. 
<laughs> so from your paradigm, would you just give us a snapshot of what ministry health should be? Sure. So ministry health, uh, it is a, a environment in which your life is flourishing in every way, not just in the typical ways we think about ministry, um, where we're doing things, but who are we? Who are we? How are we being in that? So we're thriving spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally with our families and with other people. That's what ministry health looks like, that there's that, that sense of life and not the stress and burden that most pastors carry around with them 24-7. Um, there's a sense of pace and rhythm and um, that they are very, um, there's this sense of, of God being very present in the midst of that and not being something that we simply bring in when we're trying to create our sermons or create a strategy and a plan, but we're actually living the life that Jesus has called us to and being connected to him. So that's what ministry health looks like to us. You know, if a, if a person on a scale is, is moving in the direction of thriving and life, then that's what it looks like. Amen. Roy, I'm going to throw you a curveball. No, no problem. Um, but in all this dialogue of ministry life, ministry health for pastors, what is your perspective on the Sabbath for a pastor? Mm. There's all kinds of discussions of what that looks like. Is it that Sunday that that pastor's ministry, is that his Sabbath? And how should pastors enjoy a God-ordained um, practice of Sabbath? You have to have one. <laughs> There's no question about it. Um, it is a linchpin for healthy ministry. Actually, all of us should observe a Sabbath. Um, now, in my tradition, uh, I am not a strict Sabbatarian. So, uh, you know, there used to be the sense of you didn't do anything on the Sabbath. Uh, you sat and just were quiet. Okay. Yeah. No recreation, nothing like that. But the Sabbath is a wonderful opportunity to re-engage with your humanity, to set aside the responsibilities that you have and that, that sense of, I have to make things happen. I often share with pastors, you know, God really is capable of running the universe without you. So taking a day of, of rest and Sabbath and re reconnecting with your family and your own soul and, and Him in that way is really critical. I think pastors need to hear what you just said there. <laughs> he can do it without you for one day. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so they have to take it. And Sunday is a challenge. It's always a challenge. Um, it used to be, I, I remember um, the days when you had a Sunday evening service. And so you were doing double duty on Sundays. Impossible to have a Sabbath on. Did it for years. Yeah. Exactly right. So there has to be a day where you are not simply recuperating so that you can re-enter it and, and start all over again, but where you actually disconnect, that you can just be for a 24-hour period of time. One of the, the rhythms that my wife and I established, um, you know, we're, we're in the business of caring for pastors, and so we've kind of figured we should care about how we care for pastors ourselves. So one of the rhythms we established a few years ago is um, coming back from a conference of caregivers, decided we were very visual people. So we said, let's go out. Uh, we're going to modify the Jewish tradition a little bit. 
we're going to get one of those electronic candles that you can get now, you know, which, mm-hmm. with the button. Put it on a stand next to our fireplace and a little heart-shaped bookcase, a uh, bookend. And on Saturday night at 6 o'clock, that candle goes on. And on Sunday night at 6 o'clock, the candle goes off. And in those period of time, now we, we have the luxury that we're not leading a ministry. But still, it's a framework for rest. It's a framework for being different than we are the rest of the week. So there's, there has to be a day. And those conversations are often difficult to have with lay leaders, uh, maybe who are working six days a week and they have to. Um, that's, that's a hard, dis, uh, hard discussion to have. But for pastors, because the weight of pastoral ministry is different. I worked in manufacturing for a long time. And I know that there's a lot of work that goes on, but I can tell you that the weight of ministry life, from my experience, doesn't compare to what I did in the manufacturing world. Mm. The, the spiritual and emotional weight of that, there's no way to, to just deal with that in one day that you are just trying to make up on, you know, you're going to the grocery store, you're cleaning up the yard, you're doing all those things. You need a day where you're apart and alone with God and your family so that you can just be. I hope our ministry leaders that are listening around heard everything you just said, Roy, because I think it's a key. And I think it's something that um, has caused some of the difficulties and burnout and unhealthiness in our ministry leaders today. Absolutely. Roy, right now, um, would you please speak to our live audience and also ministry and pastor leaders right now that are listening we may have some pastors that are facing burnout, um, struggling to thrive in ministry. Um, what and how would you offer them any help today? What can you tell them? Yeah. Pay attention to your life. Um, Paul says in First Timothy, um, and we get stuck on the first part of that where he talks about paying attention to our doctrine, but there's a second part to that part where he says, pay attention to your life as well. Mm. So pay attention to how your life is proceeding, how it's going. You know, are there signs uh, that burnout is on, uh, on the rise for you? It could, it could happen. Uh, are you tired all the time? Uh, are you, do you snap at the dog all the time? Uh, all kinds of physical and emotional responses that can begin to give you an idea that it's time to pay attention to, to where you are spiritually and emotionally. So pay attention. The other piece is uh, Jesus didn't die for your ministry. Jesus died for you. Say that again, Roy. Jesus didn't die for your ministry. He died for you. And you are important to him. Your I think if our listeners don't get anything else today, <laughs> they need to get that. It, it's, it's important that we understand that it, we can pr- try to press through the stress and the trauma of ministry life, and we're only going to end up in the ditch. It's only going to happen. So it's okay to recognize that things are not healthy and to step back and know that Jesus has not disappointed with you. If you take a step back and say, I need to get some help. I need to think differently about how I do ministry life. That's okay. And you need to do it. So um, the word encourage, of course, means to give courage, right? So I want to give you permission and hope you will find the courage, if you're listening, to be able to step back, pay attention, and get the help you need. There are t- 
tons of opportunities to, we do coaching around burnout all the time with pastors. And if you're on the cusp of that and feeling like things are just on the edge, um, don't try to do it alone. Um, there are people out there who really care about you and want to make sure that you're thriving as a person and as a disciple and as a pastor. Roy, how can our listeners today that need help get help? How can they reach you? So website, pirministries.org is a primary means for uh, finding out more about us. And we have a contact page there. Uh, they can certainly email me, Roy at pirministries.org. Um, we have staff across the country uh, who are experienced. They are uh, pastors, have been pastors themselves, so they know what it's like, and they're ready to help. So, uh, again, don't do it alone. We're here. We have a ton of resources in our toolkit to offer uh, you to help you do uh, a ministry well. Well, I think, Roy, just to summarize our time together, Jesus died for you, not your ministry. Well said. Pastors and leaders, I want to encourage all of you that are listening, get help. Ministry is something that we're called to do. It's not your identity. It's what you get to do. It's how you get to serve the Lord. And we can do it with vitality. We can do it with health. And we can enjoy this process called ministry. It's not drudgery. It's an opportunity. It should be pleasurable in, in our service to the Lord. So get help if you need help. Also available to you is the Center for Thriving Leaders here at Grace College and Seminary. We're here, poisoned, ready to help you in any possible way we can in renewal and revitalization, whether you're a pastor presently or looking at planting a church. What a precious time today, Roy. My absolute pleasure sitting down with you. Um, I love your heart of helping pastors. Well said, much needed. And so thank you so much for your time. Any last word today, Roy? No, thank you for this opportunity. Any chance we get to spread the word that pastors are important and that they are worth the time and effort for people to invest in because a healthy pastor leads a healthy church. That's really what we're after. Amen. Until next time, we'll have another podcast. Thanks for joining us here at Grace College and Seminary and the Center for Thriving Leaders. We want to thank our listening audience and also our live audience as well. God bless. This is Dr. Trent Lambert with the Center for Thriving Leaders and Grace Theological Seminary, challenging you to keep thriving in ministry. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hope Renewed. Our next four episodes will be focusing on my book, The Weary Leader's Guide to Burnout, and we hope you enjoy those conversations. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, be sure to check out hoperenewedpodcast.com. Leave us comments and feedback, and remember... The hope of Christ never puts us to shame. Thank you for joining us on Hope Renewed. Please help us reach more pastors by sharing this episode with your friends. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify, or your favorite platform for receiving podcasts. Thank you. This means the world to us. The Hope Renewed Podcast is brought to you by PIR Ministries. At PIR, we partner with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration. Pastors, our goal is to help you cultivate new hope for healthy life and ministry. We do this by building relationships. We train both pastors and churches to promote a culture of ministry health. If you've experienced a forced exit from ministry, we provide a process of restoration for you and your family. 
We also have proven resources and tools to assist you in the challenges of ministry life. To contact us or to learn more about PIR, visit PIRministries.org.